millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. True Hauntings is a Frightfully Good production. The story of Sally, the infamous Heartland ghost, has attracted endless rumours and theories of murder, cover-ups, racism and abuse. All the makings of a terrifying horror movie. But this was no movie, and the family that survived this haunting barely made it out alive. The story of the Sally house and the fire-starting, man-hating ghost girl who haunted it grabbed the attention of a nation. This quaint, unassuming house in an unassuming street in Atchison, Kansas still remains empty. No one wants to take on the ghost that still calls this place home. In this episode, we dig deep into the true story of the Pickman family and what actually happened to them while they were in the house that ended up changing their world. Hi, I'm Renata. And I'm Anne, and we invite you to join us as we venture through the front door of one of the most haunted houses in America, the Sally House. Anne and Renata have been investigating paranormal occurrences for the past 20 years. They have been at the center of various unexplained phenomena and have witnessed countless ghostly experiences. The duo now turn to high-profile cases that have attracted the eyes of the world. Between the dimensions we see and the dimensions we don't, supernatural forces are at play. Evil lurks within the shadows of our homes and in the darkest corners of our minds. It follows us like a shadow, forever. This is where nightmares become reality. This is True Hauntings. And welcome to the studio, Anne. Hi there, Renata. Heidi ho ho How are you doing? Not too bad, thank you. You've been a busy chook. I have. You've been working at the shop? Yes. Flogging stuff? Flogging stuff. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, selling stuff. Not, yes. uh, it's not that sort of shop where yes, you can no. go buy a no. flogging. No. Um, no, that's just going downhill pretty quick there. Yeah. Yeah. Let's, let's move on out of that gutter. Yeah. Uh, yes. So, uh, it, yeah, we're still busy. And, look, it's rolling on to Halloween season, so we, we are going to progressively get um, busier and busier. Um, 
heading up to those fabulous Halloween events that we're going to be having. Yep, we're in the booze. Yes. I like it. So our Halloween is almost sold out now, so if we can't advertise it because yeah. it's done. <laughs> and <laughs> and bu- half of our team are going overseas. Yeah. The buggers. Yeah, and they go make it worse, they're going to Salem. I know. But even worse than that, they're going to be in Disneyland on Halloween. Uh, I, I expect... A lot of photographs. Yeah. That's all I lots can say. And lots and lots and lots. And some live crosses. Yes. We love some live crosses. Yes, absolutely. Um, but we're very excited for them going over and um, having a good time. I just hope they can um, share all of their fantastic stories with us. Yeah. And we've got a bonus coming for you guys too. We are going to share an episode with you from our friend Cade. Now, he has a podcast called Believe and he looks at all things ooky spooky, UFOs and Bigfoots. And uh, he we've done a, what we call a, a swappy. We've done some swapsies and he has taken one of our episodes and popped it up onto his podcast and we're going to grab one of his best ones and pop it up on ours. So do us a favour, have a listen and let us know what you think because we think he's pretty awesome, don't we Renata? We do. He has been an absolute gentleman when it comes to chatting with us and uh, just being so gracious in uh, helping us along. Teaching these old bags all the tricks. (laughs) (laughs) Because we are quite clueless. We just keep stumbling (laughs) along uh, uh, making it up as we go along, not realising that somebody has all already invented that wheel and we just don't know how to find the wheel. No, that's right. <laughs> that's right. Yes. All right. So, Renata. Yes. Anything else coming up that we need to tell people about? Uh, no, not at this stage. But if you'd like to book Renata for a private reading, now she is an amazing tarot reader, but it's not just tarot. She is a psychic medium, but she uses the tarot cards to guide her in the message that she gives you. And I tell you what, she's pretty bloody freaky, but you can email Renata for a private reading at, what is it again, Renata? Tarotqueen at gmail.com. There you go. Tarotqueen. T-A-R-O-T-Q-U-E-E-N at gmail.com. Yeah. In America, they don't often say double E or double ones and things like that. They'll say one one, apparently. Okay. Yeah. So I learned that when I went over there. And it's um, a Z, not Z. Right. And aluminum, not aluminium. Uh-huh. I love all the little idiosyncrasies between us. Shall we shall we get on with the story? Yes, let's. All right. It started out as the specks of dust against the light from the window, and, and I thought it was dust from the vent in the wall near the end of the bed. That is, until I realised it had not been cool enough in the room for the heater to come on. I felt the waterbed mattress start to gently roll and wave. Within a few seconds, it became violent, as if someone was standing on the bed and jumping up and down. Soon the motion was causing the pillows near my head to bounce several inches into the air, and my body began to flop uncontrollably. The formation of the dust particles near the foot of the bed began to get darker and denser. I think I was mesmerized by this formation, and before I realized... It had taken the shape of a woman's upper torso, her arms folded in front of her and across her abdomen. This thing started to move closer to me, and as it did, I could make out more details, like 
dark hair and a, a bitchy look, like the store owner's wife on Little House of the Prairie. I was getting pretty scared, and I, I don't know why I didn't try to get up and leave. As she got closer, I could see she was dressed in black with a high collar adorned with a brooch. At that point, the water in the baffle of the mattress was frantically sloshing, and it got so violent that I was barely able to move away and toward the other side of the bed. My heart pounded like crazy, and I thought it would burst out of my chest any minute. I tried to call for you, but nothing would come out. And then, in an instant, she was in front of me. The bedroom door slammed shut, the drawer from the nightstand flung itself open and closed repeatedly, and the top of the high boy spun round. It was like being a sci-fi movie, and I could not scream. The woman's hand suddenly lunged for my face, and I heard a voice say, I'm gonna. There was more that was said, but I couldn't make it out. I remember her hand was covered in a long black lace glove, and just as it was inches from my face, I saw a blackbird on her finger. I struggled to crawl out of bed and over to the door. I don't know if I was just too scared to work the knob properly or what, but I couldn't get the door open. Then suddenly everything that was moving stopped, and she was gone. I tried to scream several times but couldn't. It was like nothing would come out. I don't remember anything more. I I don't know how I got back on the bed except that maybe when everything stopped I got back up on the bed. I don't know. Maybe I, I blacked out or something. Then you opened the door. I had noticed nothing out of the ordinary except for how oddly Tony was splayed out on the bed and the look on his face. I didn't see anything moving in the room. He went on to describe how the voice seemed to be one among many, that it had come at him quickly and then seemed to pass. And before he grasped what was happening, the voice was out of range and completely inaudible. He reported other indistinct sounds along with the voice, but nothing he could describe in any detail. He reflected on this experience for days, and later described the sounds as a lot of muffled voices deep in a tunnel and far away. It had definitely been one of his most frightening experiences. Now, Renata, where did that come from? Okay, so this information has come from a book that has been written by one of the people that had actually gone through this whole process in the Sally House, and it's written by Deborah Pittman. Oh, the wife. Yes. Right. Uh, Yes. So uh, most of my information comes from there as well. Mm -hmm. I thought I would give it uh, as sort of a first-person account, someone who had lived in the house and experienced it, and um, and then we can sort of go from there and draw some conclusions. Yeah, so you're going to to, uh, explain the haunting and everything that went down. Yeah. And then I'm going to dig into some of the facts around those stories and a little bit of the history as well for a change. Yes, and I did say Pittman. It's Pickman, sorry. Pick, pick. Pickman. Pickman. 
Pickman. So we're talking about the Sully House. Now, the Sully House is located in Atchison, Kansas, and it was built in the mid-1800s, and it was originally commissioned by uh, a gentleman called Charles Finney. Now, Charles Finney was actually a doctor, and he was a local physician, and he actually practiced medicine from his house. So he used the bottom floor as like the reception area and surgery and examination room. And there was also a bedroom and an office that was upstairs. So the the Finney family uh, lived upstairs until they moved out because of lack of space. So as as... The family grew. They needed uh, a larger home. So the ha- the Sally House is a re- record. <laughs> I think Renata just deflated. Somebody undid that little button that you blow up, and she just went. <laughs> oh, it was so good! Until <laughs> you were then. doing an amazing job. Yeah. I was enthralled, Renata. <laughs> tell me, tell me more. Put your teeth in and go again. Um, so we were talking about they were they were in the yeah, house. Yeah, hold on, until. Hold on. Um, Tell me to shush. I was listening intently. I was on the ball for a change. Sometimes I zone out, but this time I was actually listening. And the house got too small for them and they moved out. Yes. Thank you. I'm here for you, Renata. (laughs) (laughs) So according to legend, a child named Sally was brought to Dr. Finney's house by her mother for severe abdominal pain. Poor Sally. And he thought that she had appendicitis and he began to perform emergency surgery because he believed that Sally's appendix was just about to rupture. And she would die unless they were removed. That's right. But she died anyway. Well, there you go. (laughs) Um, Now, he apparently cut into her before the anaesthetic took effect <gasps> uh, and that killed her as a result. Don't know why. Died that, of that shock. Would, yep, most probably, I don't know. Um, so multiple former tenants that have lived in the house allegedly have said that there has been paranormal activity in the house when they lived there. Ooh. Now, it seems to be especially reported by male residents and visitors. Some that will tell you that they have been scratched until they bled, which is why the ghost of Sally has been dubbed the man-hating ghost. Now, the house is said to be the most haunted house in Kansas, and it now actually stands vacant because nobody wants to live there. And lo and behold, we even have the address for any curious souls that might be around and might want to go and stick their nose in. It's 508 North 2nd Street. So in the 1990s, the house was featured in uh, many paranormal investigations, but this is the one that sort of broke the ice. Uh, It was a television show called Sightings. Sightings. Yep. And on the 17th of January, 2015, it also appeared in an episode of the Travel Channel series Ghost Adventures. So the information, as I said, I'm sharing with you is a first-hand account of Deborah Pickman, and it comes from a book which is called The Sally House Haunting, a a true story by Deborah Pickman. Now, Deborah talks about herself in the introduction and uh, she tells the reader that she was influenced by her father to be someone who used logic and common sense. So she's already kind of saying, look, you might think everything that I say is weird, but 
I grew up with someone who instilled common sense and logic into my brain. Bless your dad. Now, I was born into a religious family, but really, uh, so she was born, sorry, into a religious family. She really didn't engage in any weird stuff as a child. So she didn't play Ouija boards. Oh. Uh, she didn't, you know, do anything that She has not may had have, a proper upbringing. That may have. I told someone that today. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, she didn't sort of go into any woo-woo spiritual stuff. Um, so when she realised that their house, the house that they were living in, uh, could be haunted, she went to search for answers that were logical. So she went to the local library, um, couldn't really find anything there. Uh, so she did the next best, best thing. She decided that she would document um, everything that happened to her as it happened. So when you read her book, it's kind of like date by date mm -hmm. from the beginning to the end. Uh, and she kind of did this because she thought she wouldn't be believed and she really wanted to be. Now, also because the TV and the media got a hold of it, um, she kind of had forethought about this and it was because of this diary and that she'd kept this diary that no matter what TV and media produced as evidence, she knew at some stage that, you know, she could go back to the diary and reflect back on what actually happened and that maybe at one stage she might write a book about it. Yeah. So their story begins in 1993. They move into a house um, and this is the, the Sally house it's not what they want, but it's what they need to have at that point in time. Deborah is pregnant. They need accommodation. And this place stands in between two other houses, uh, and it's only two blocks away from the Missouri River. So records for the house and nearby structures reveal that it's the oldest one on the block. The landlord that was a local police officer at the time had purchased the house a month ago. He'd not been able to do too much work on the outside of the house, but he gave the inside a uh, a facelift. It looked fresh cool. coat of paint. Yeah, fresh coat of paint. Um, they enjoyed um, going in and and finding that they really didn't have to do anything to the inside of the house, especially in um, Deborah's condition. And they say that really um, they only had about thirty days of normal living in the house before things started to happen. And. <laughs> This kind of goes on to really talk about the things that would you normally hear in hauntings, like lights would dim, there would be cold spots, um, things would be moved around, cupboard doors would be opened. Um, but then there were a couple of other things that would happen, like they would hear blood-curdling screams in the middle of the night. Um, there would be issues with the timer on the stove going off early or going off even when it wasn't set. Uh, and, the, of course, the animals were a bit quirky in the house. They didn't yeah. like being in the house. So I mean, they, they hadn't been there that long. Yeah. The, the animals are like that. If you think of the Amityville house, their dog was a little bit skiddy as well, but they're in a brand new environment. Mm. Yeah, so and it's a small environment. Yeah. Yep, so standard stuff when it comes to all that those haunting stories. Yeah. So we have June the 26th, 1993, and the Pickman's son is born, Taylor, and they have a little bit of trouble with him not sleeping very well, and Deborah is very, very tired. So uh, she actually asks her sister to come over and lend a hand, and during that time, nothing really happens that's too dramatic. The family starts to settle down with a new baby. The nursery is finished up. 
and you know they they pretty it up they um you know put lovely linen toys and everything in there for um little taylor and you know things kind of start getting a bit odd again just just tiny little things again cold spots door slam dark shadows start to appear and disappear and you know while the sister is there the pigments kind of just ignore the whole thing and uh, the sister kind of goes oh look it's nothing what are you, yeah, I what think are you they, carrying on about they all thought that each other were playing little jokes and yeah, things yeah now one night the lights dim and, and there was romantic music put on and some <laughs> candles. And at this stage, Tony, the, the husband, turns around and says, oh, we must have a ghost. You know, he's, he's a bit over it. And they snicker at this comment. And strangely enough, that's the last time the lights dimmed at that point. So they kind of, you know, go, oh, okay, fair enough. You know, not too much about it. Then there's another incident that happens that makes them start to think that possibly – there is something kind of going on. And this happens um, to Deborah's sister. She didn't stay long in the house, but before she left, one of the things that happened was that she would arrange all the toys and everything um, across the edge of the room. Mm -hmm. And she came into the room one day and saw the toys in the middle of the room. Yep. And so she asked, you know, did anyone do that? And, of course, they said no. Oh, okay. Well, you know, maybe I forgot, whatever. But then she had to take the baby out um, and place the baby in, in a car seat to go into the town to do some shopping or whatever. And she went back in to get her bag, came back out to the car and found one of the toys in the car seat with the baby. Oh. Now... She hadn't put that toy there, and no one else did either. Oh, so, did. So this was a little bit strange. <laughs> now, at that point, they tried to contact some of the previous owners, um, and then there was a little bit of gossip going around the town. Something was going on. A local psychic that they, that they got in contact with confirmed that um, there could possibly be a ghost around. Mm, of course you know, they, they did. They walked in and they went, mm. <gasps> There's a ghost. I can feel it. And um, she also said that it was a little girl spirit. And this little girl spirit liked to play with Taylor's toys and kind of really didn't say much more. So the origin of the little girl spirit called, well, not called Sally at this stage, but the little girl A ghost psychic. came from this psychic. Mm -hmm. Yep. Okay. Now, Tony got his brother over um, to stay because at this point in time, Deborah's making notes every day in the diary of everything that happens. And Tony's a huge skeptic. He doesn't believe in any of this rubbish. And so he gets his brother over and says, look, come and stay with us for a while. Maybe you'll you know, see some stuff happening and you tell us what you think. Um, so Larry, the brother, uh, also starts to see movement with the stuffed toys and him and Tony sit down and they end up talking to his mother about all of this. Now, she then contacts the mother of a previous tenant who she knows um, had lived in the house and they tell the mother that they used to encounter bad smells in the house and that the youngest child in the family had an imaginary friend that she called Sally. 
Right. So here is where the name so comes in. So we're connecting in. the little girl ghost mm-hmm. to the imaginary play child. Yes. Yes. Okay. Both being little girls. Yep. Yep. So then the next door neighbour, George, gets involved and he's called in and he wants to see what's going on. He's sniffing around going, something you know, weird's going on here. I need to know. Something strange in the neighbourhood. So uh, he goes in and... Um, what does George find, Renata? Tell me. And he sort of says, look, all these people are saying that these things are happening. I want to see for myself. I want to have stuff proved. And apparently he doesn't have to wait long. He witnesses cold breezes, toys moving around, and with his own eye, with his own eyes, and he flees the house going, oh, God, oh, God, I'm never going back there again. It's a ghost. Now, days progress and the ghost starts to change its attitude and there is the first instance where Tony is scratched. Now, Barbara, who is the local psychic, comes in and she tells the couple... It's a demon, oh, actually, Tony. No, she, doesn't, she doesn't come in. She actually oh, no. rings... Uh, they ring her and she tells them that she connects over the phone. Oh, yeah, okay. And yeah. Uh, she says that uh, Sally likes the baby and wants to protect him like a guardian angel uh, and that um, things happen so that they know that she's around guarding the child. So she's Sally, the, the ghost, is letting them know that she's there by moving things and doing things. So oh, that, right. Yeah. yeah. Um, now, Barbara tells them to set some rules for Sally uh, and that they're not to get angry with her. Um, but if she does do wrong things or scratches anyone like she did with Tony, that they will have to punish her. Or lock her, or tell her to go to her room, um, because so she's to a naughty treat girl. her like a small child. Yes, when treat her boundaries. as if she's real. Yep. Now, in the meantime, the family goes looking for some more records about who owns the house, and they find that the house is 127 years old and it's had a few owners, but they do note that no one has died in the house. They go oh, through. That's interesting. <laughs> that differs to my stories, but yeah, keep okay. going. Uh, they go through a ton of papers, newspapers, and they find that uh, a few children have died close by. Uh, and they get to about 15 possibilities when they cross-reference um, and they rule out five of them and they end up with six Sallys or Sallys, depending on how you want to spell it, S-A-L-L-Y-S or S-A-L-L-I-E-S, as well as three others who die or died within specific dates. Um, but... The ages, first names, genders, kind of mixed. It's a mixed bag. Sounds like they're trying hard to make it fit. Yep, yep, yep. Um, And this kind of goes against the grain of what Barbara the psychic has told them. Now, there is one child named Sally Isabel Hall who died in 1905, and there are three others that died in late in the late 1800s. Um, There's a Sally M. Foster, a Sally White, and another child that's about four years old with no name uh, that they can, um, you know, find out. Uh, And, like, kind of in the end, they really rule out almost everyone. And they can't can't kind of get to that one 
child called Sally that can actually I, existed. Can I just ask, is this before the camera crew comes in? Before. With before. Mm, before. How very interesting. Yeah, keep going. Before. This before. Because once again, Renata and I have not compared notes. I just asked what generally was she doing. Mm-hmm. And uh, then I've gone and done my research. Yes. And I... Finding a few little contradictions I'm, here, Renata. I'm trying to stick to the story that Deborah tells because there's no point in going and find, finding contradictions. That's your... Yeah, yeah. In this one. Yep. So you just laid down the groundwork <clears throat> and then we can weave in and out of yeah. that. So Barbara then suggests that they make friends with Sally and Deborah kind of agrees with that and Tony says, oh, what a load of shit this is, you know. Oh, I'm a bit over it. I'm over this. And she'll she, it's suggested that maybe if they put out some crayons and paper that Sally might want to write things down on this paper and pen and start to, you know, um, communicate. So Deborah decides that she's going to read bedtime stories to Sally um, and to uh, Taylor and leave a crayon and paper out on the table. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just at this but, moment in time, it seems like the whole story is revolving around Deborah, doesn't it? Yes. She's the centrepiece. Yes. Yes, but she's also been told by the psychic to do all of these mm, things, and Deborah and Deborah starts to get emotionally connected. Right. Okay. Keep going. Yeah. So she's been told that Sally's a little guardian angel looking after Taylor um, and, you know, be pleasant to the child. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. this, is, this is a spirit that seems to be lost and she might be wanting her mama. I, I do like that the psychics told her that. Yeah. That's very nice. Yeah. They also try and take a few photos uh, of the room where the, the baby's sleeping and they find that they get a lot of fuzzy and dark photos. And some some of the photos that are available, and some yeah, of them are in the book, are uh, yeah a bit freaky. Yeah, big so, massive black blobs that swirl around, and yeah. apparently they've had them to photographic experts, and they have examined the uh, the negatives, the f- negatives, or if it's files. I'm not sure what it was back in the 90s. If it was uh, negatives, digital, uh, but yeah, and they said that it is not faked. Yeah. Yeah. So Barbara, the psychic, is called back in. Uh, she walks into the house and she tells Tony and Deborah that indeed it is a little girl. We're still on that same thing. It's a little girl. She's about seven. Um, she's called Sally. Um, and also that there is a little boy called Jonathan outside under the tree. We never hear anything more about Jonathan. It's kind of a little note, side note, to say that there's someone else. Yeah, Jonathan. Yeah. He appears later on. I, I do get told about two ghosts in my aspects, but, you know, let's we'll keep rolling through. Mm-hmm. So Deborah keeps trying to gain Sally's trust. Now, remember, when we talk about Barbara the psychic, up to kind of this point, she's said everything over the phone to the to the family mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. she's tapped in. Yep. So she finally goes over there and, and you know, reiterates it's Sally. It's a child, yep. seven years old, little girl, blah, blah, blah. And, do, um, do, 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 do. Yeah, hoity, hoity, hoity. <laughs> um, and Deborah, again, tries to gain Sally's trust. She asks her to answer questions using the crayon and um, allowing her to take photographs of Sally. The photos start getting darker with more of a dark, like, blob on the photos. the same camera. I don't know. 
and they kind of get more and more scarier every time the photos are developed. So the, these blobs, these dark blobs, start to take over the whole photo. Yeah. yeah, You can still see that it's the child's room, but these black things get bigger and bigger. Now, uh, Sally's energy starts to get darker again. She starts to mess with the house and she starts to take things out of the cupboard and she leaves them on the floor and she starts scratching Tony more. Um, it's thought that Barbara or Deborah allude to the fact that Tony isn't taking care of the baby properly and that's why Sally is attacking Tony. Tony's not good enough. As if to say, yeah, I will hurt you if you don't look after the baby. Mm -hmm. Remember, she's the guardian angel. Yeah. Yeah. So during the next three months, the interaction really gets more aggressive and everyone in the house just gets more fearful. Yeah. Uh, Sally starts to get bolder. Now, on October the 31st, Halloween, yes. Surprise. Tony is downstairs in the kitchen uh, because he can't sleep and he sees Sally for the very first time. So um, I will just quickly read apart from this book mm-hmm, mm-hmm. as to this particular bit because oh. it's quite interesting. You're going to do a soundscape for another. No, it's oh, quite God. it's quite interesting because everything else I've seen about this encounter um, describes Sally completely differently. Okay. So here we go. Uh, he'd gotten a glass out of the cupboard and poured his juice, and just as he was about to take a drink, he turned around to face the centre of the kitchen and got the shock of his life. Standing in the middle of the room, just past the butcher block table, was a little girl with a surprised look in her big blue eyes. He judged her to be about three and a half feet tall. Instantly, his heart plummeted to his feet, and every muscle froze. In that instant, several things went through his mind. Who are you? Where did you come from? What do you want and how did you get in my kitchen? Then he realised he had not heard either the doors, um, neither of the doors, and that she had not walked in with him. Realisation had begun to creep in as he noticed something odd about the way she was dressed. Her hair was neatly fastened on top of her curly brown hair with a ribbon and a large fancy bow. She looked to be in her Sunday best, but the style was old-fashioned, white, Eyelet lace and puffy sleeves. She had sweetly round cherubic cheeks. She stood there shocked, curious and motionless, staring at him wide-eyed. Yeah, and then she disappeared. Poof. Poof. Yeah. Right. So that's the description in the book of Tony's visualisation of Sally the ghost. So it is Sarah, not Sarah, sorry, Deborah has been told this by Tony. By Tony. So Tony's told it to her yep. and now she's interpreted it and put it in her book. Yep. And there's a picture, a hand-drawn picture yep. and of... And this has become a book, hasn't yes. it? Yeah. Yep. It's no longer just her journal. It's yep. a book. Yep. And there's a picture of Sally. Yeah. Which he drew, I think. This is quite distinct from a lot of the other things that I have heard of this little 
ghost girl who turns into some sort of terrifying woman whose skin falls off her face and has, you know, demon teeth and all of this. Well, what anyway. about the one with the, the, the black lace gloves that was floating and forming at the end of the bed that I yeah. read out from the soundscape? Yeah, what the hell's that got to do with mm. anything? Yeah. Anyway, keep going. So Sally uh, sets fire. This is when she starts to set fire to things and she start, starts to set fire to a favourite teddy. Um, because she gets scolded by Deborah. Um, she throws a temper tantrum and is not seen for about two weeks um, around Christmas time because family and relatives come over and everyone gets a Christmas present and no one leaves a, a present under the tree for Sally. <gasps> they didn't leave it for Ooh. the demon girl. So she's not happy. Not happy, Sally. So, so she chucks <laughs> chucks a tanty. Can we get a T-shirt with that one now? <laughs> not happy, Sally. <laughs> And Sally really seems to start focusing on Tony. Um, and not only is this stuff happening in the house, and I'm nearly done, uh, not, only, not only is this stuff happening in the house, it actually starts to happen in his workplace as well. So uh, everyone starts laughing at Tony and making a big joke of it. You know, you're an idiot. You're a dickhead, Tony. dickhead, yeah. <laughs> Tony. Um, but, yeah, and life gets really terrible. But, you know... We haven't called in the film crew yet. Not yet. Now, by mid-June. Um... Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Barbara, the Barbara. psychic. Barbara the psychic. Barbara the psychic. Has, has been going around doing workshops and things and telling oh, everyone. Oh, psychic. I can tell you all about the demon Sally at the house. And starts to lecture about the stuff that's going on in the house. Ooh. Now, apparently they give her permission to do so, but she's got photographs, she's got nice a presentation, she she's got all of this stuff, and this starts to intrigue um, and interest people. But I have to say that when we've done our workshops and classes and things like that, we always do refer to cases yep. that we have been involved in as examples. So I can understand why she's done that. Absolutely. And she gets uh, approached by some representatives from Unsolved Mysteries and Sightings. So they want a closer look and ask Barbara if they can contact the family. Oi, Barbara, can we contact the family? She passes on the information and the team from Sightings finally uh, get uh, the ability to go in and meet the family and talk to them and they believe that they're okay. Yep, okay, you can come in and do, you know, some recording and everything. So they sit down with Tony uh, and they actually witness Tony being scratched. They witness a few other anomalies in their first visit there and they send the raw footage to be reviewed by a world-renowned parapsychologist, parapsychologist called Kerry Gaynor. Well, there was one before that. 
Well, keep this going. Is one, yeah, <laughs> this, this is the one I've got, Kerry Gaynor, um, uh, who is a lead investigator, and um, he's he or she, not sure. Um, it's a he. Yeah, worked on cases like the Entity and Poltergeist. Yes, he he said I've worked on seven hundred or something cases, oh, and God. I know every bloody thing. All right. Yes, it was Al Rober that was before him. But oh, yep. okay. All right. So um, the episode is produced. It goes on TV. And this makes it really hard for the couple to go anywhere in yeah, town. Yeah, because he didn't want to be seen. Mm. So he was always hidden who it was, but she was very loud and proud. And she was done up. She had beautiful makeup, hair done, and always nicely presented. The kid was in the, every shot. Mm-hmm. So, But he was always in shadows. He didn't want to be seen. Oh. That, that's interesting to me. Well... They know who it is, of course, because, I mean, the wife's being shown on TV. So he gets even worse treatment at work. Um, sightings go back. You're a tosser, Tony. Yep. Sightings go back to do another investigation um, because the show has raised so much interest. Um, Good then, ratings. Then they go in for a third investigation. Mm-hmm. Now, by this stage, Tony, again, has had a gutful, and Deborah is the one really coercing the thing to go forward, yes. to move forward. Yep. And sightings bring in another psychic named Peter James. Now, Peter turns out to be really gracious. He's respectful. He wins over Deborah. Deborah loves him. Yep. And uh, he takes his time in the house. Um, but Tony is scratched again while Peter is there. And this time, two letters appear on his back. Mm-hmm. They are the letters M and the letter C. Uh, Peter also gets scratched on his wrist and Tony's shirt catches fire. All of these things happen while this cycle I don't remember the shirt catching fire, but I did see all the scratching. Yeah. Now, Deborah finds out some more information. She's still digging um, and it uh, there... Is, was a family that lived nearby and they had a child called Sally, aged five, and this goes back to 1905. Um, and maybe that's connected to the house. I think there's something to Gee, do Deborah's with, this, amazing. with this child being buried somewhere very, very close. Mm, yeah. um, sighting goes back for the fourth time. Um, they bring, they say, we're going to bring every piece of gear imaginable they do. under the sun. I watched it. <laughs> uh, and we're going to do an overnight investigation. Holy moly. Okay. Now, Deborah and Tony stay in the house. Yeah. And and Taylor. While this is going on. I'd never allow that in a million years, but anyway. Um, And Tony, by the end of the evening, looks like what Deborah calls a scratching post. Yeah, the cat scratching post. Cat, there are scratches all over him. And they're deep and they're bleeding and they are appearing before the cameras. So it's not like he's, he's yeah. Like I I saw, I've watched the footage. Uh His hands are sitting on the arms chairs. He's going, my stomach's burning, it is burning. And he's not moving his arms and he's been in that position for quite some time. And they, they lift up his shirt, not him. And they they look at it and they've got this magnifying glass and they're watching it appear wow. in front of them. Wow. Now the crew leave in the morning. Bye. And then someone taps on the door. Leave <laughs> on. <laughs> I'll pay you some money if I can ghost hunt in your house. Yeah. And a woman comes to the door and she explains she's an Indian shaman. Now, mm-hmm. this is so left of field. It's unbelievable. I don't even know. 
how this fits in. But she just, she describes herself as an Indian shaman and that she's been drawn to the house and she asks if she can cleanse the house. Got to do an uh, exorcism yes. of the Native American Indian kind. So she says, I'll be back shortly. Yep. <laughs> she goes. She goes home and she returns dressed <gasps> in ceremonial robes and she smudges the house. And the cameras have gone. What a missed opportunity oh. <laughs> that was. She should have been a little bit earlier. And then she sits down with the family and she asks everyone to pray together. Let us pray. And during this process, um, she says that she's moved on a man um, and a woman uh, who resists stubbornly. Um, and from that point on, um, the attacks on Tony stop. Yeah. By this stage, the family decides they need to leave the house for the sake of their sanity and to keep the baby safe. Uh, and Deborah feels that whatever um, was happening with the spirit uh, was trying to make Tony uh, really unhappy and it's it's was there to drive a wedge between her and the husband. So kind of the story's changed a little bit. Now, it has, hasn't it? Now from Sally being this archangel um, to someone who may be slightly older to now a, a person who She's is... She's a vixen that's trying to tear them apart. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, you wait till you hear what I've got oh to say. Oh, my God. <laughs> so they leave the house. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and... They bugger off. Yeah. Then it, the house goes like berserk and... Every man and his dog that's a paranormal investigator come to the house. Um, they try and contact the family. The family doesn't want to have anything to do with it. They go in and they do all these investigations. So the fellow that must own the house just must open it up and go, yeah, go for it. Pay me pay me money. And, yeah, they and tried go to for sell it. it for a million dollars, but then they had to drop it to half a million. Oh, God. <laughs> right. Um, and really, Deborah kind of gets drawn back in. Um, because of all these groups that sort of start to come and sort of kick up dust again and sort of try and find out what's going on. And she ends up pulling out this diary, I guess, and writing the book so that all wrongs can be righted from her point of view. Because she wrote the diary, it is gospel. Yes. And... um, she kind of really doesn't have anything to do with any more of the groups or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess they live happily ever after. And they live happily, happily, And happily the Sully House continues after. to be maybe haunted, maybe not. I mean, this Indian lady cleansed the place and apparently they all left. Mm-hmm. But the the paranormal groups find... Oh, there's the, demons in there's, the house. There's ghosts still there. So oh, absolutely. Are there ghosts still there? Or did this Indian shaman lady clear them all out? Yeah. I mean, you tell me. Does well, that make sense? That's that's kind of the yeah, synopsis. That's freaking fantastic. That's I've actually really enjoyed this case uh, because it's taken us back to our roots of paranormal investigators and um, parapsychology and uh, trying to work out what the layers of the foundation of this haunting is. Uh, I, I, it's... It's a um, convoluted case. Oh, I got no freaking idea. This did my head in. Now, I, I was done by the end of this. Yeah, I I sort of kept going back and going. I, I just need to know a little bit more about this and a little bit more about that. Oh no, that screwed all of that up. Um, but let let me dive in. Yep. So I'm going to start off with a quote from Wikipedia. Oh. 
I know, yes. right? The font of all knowledge. <laughs> this is under the heading history of the Sally House. The Sally House was initially built in the mid-1800s, commissioned by the Finney family. It was the home to Dr. Charles Finney, a local physician. Finney practiced medicine from his house using the bottom floor as a centre for surgery and examination. There was also a bedroom that he used as an office. The Finney family lived upstairs until they moved out due to lack of space. Mm-hmm. Sounds familiar? Yes. Can I just say? Bullshit. Oh, okay. Let's go right for the top. So the uh, Finney family were very early settlers in this particular area. Uh, they were a well-respected family, um, and they were uh, part of the founding families in 1854. So the town itself was a mixture of pro-slavery, anti anti-slavery but probably more pro-slavery at that stage and it was set up as a town Mm -hmm. that would accept slavery Mm -hmm. and their investors. Uh, They also had a newspaper that was um, a pro-slavery newspaper. Oh lovely. So in 1866 Michael C. Finney bought a parcel of land in the area and he built the house, the very first house that was there. The family lived in the basement while it was being built but he actually didn't survive for very long and he died in 1872 in the house. Mm-hmm. Now, his wife was left behind and she was pregnant at the time, just pregnant. Her name was Kate and she had three children, which is James, Charles and Agnes. There's no Sally's, just saying. Mm-hmm. She did give birth eight months after he died and uh, that child was called Edwin. But unfortunately, they died within the first two years of life as well. Now, I have to tell you at this stage, I've got a lot of this information from History Goes Bump, which is an awesome podcast. These girls really dig down into their history. They are fantastic. And it was hard to find mm. the information mm-hmm. of the foundations of this area. Yeah. Really hard. Yep. Uh, so in 18... 18- 79, James, the eldest son, built the house next to his parents' house. Now, remember you said there was three houses in a row? Yes. They were all Finney family house right. houses, right? That's um, not mentioned anywhere. No, it's not, is it? No. no. Uh, so James built the house next to his parents' house, but then he buggered off because uh, he wanted to go and seek his fortune elsewhere. He failed. Um, he came home. Didn't do much better at home, left again, and he deeded the house to his mother at that stage and said, look, you take care of it. We'll put it in your name. Um, He did eventually come back later. Now, Charles, right, the second child, James, Charles and Agnes, uh, he was a teenager at the time and he started doing some work with the local doctor called Dr. Dan Holland. Now, first off, he started as a bookkeeper and then he became an assistant in the office, but he was really inspired by Dr. Dan's work Mm -hmm. to the point that Charles decided to become a doctor too. Mm. Now, look, the reason I'm telling you all of this is because I'm trying to find where the foundations for the haunting started. Because Uh in a lot of the the stories we look at, there is some sort of trauma associated with the house or the land or the location or the families that have layered in a haunting. So I'm looking for that. Yep. All right. So Charles goes off to be a doctor, but... Before, um, or while he was working as assistant, he was actually a really good ice skater. Did you know that? No. He was actually like in competitions and he was, um, he did some uh, partner competition type stuff with a young lady called Florence Mm -hmm. and they won gold medals in the couple skatings in 1883. Wow. Um, But something happened with Charles. 
because Charles fell out of favour in the local community. And in 1885, when the next skating competition was announced, he was shunned. Announcement was made. It's open to all gentlemen ex- except for Charles Finney. Oh. So what, what did Charles what do? What did Charles do that he got shunned that badly? But do you know what? It didn't stop Charles. Do you know what he did? He dressed up as a woman, <gasps> as oh. Miss Colby from Baltimore, and skated in the competition. He must have been the man that taught everyone to tuck, because normally those leotards <laughs> are a little bit uh, revealing. <laughs> uh, so apparently he skated so gracefully that no one realised that she was a he. Wow. What yeah. a story. I know. Can't say anything about a haunting yet, but wow, that was really cool. Mm. So in 1894, he became a doctor. He returned to Atchison and started a practice, but not at his home. Mm-hmm. It was, um, uh, they gave the address where it was and uh, it was like a, almost like a little hospital, mm-hmm. uh, but it was nowhere near his home. Uh, Now, his brother James returned and had a stroke and um, actually was in Charles's hospital and Charles cared for him in the last years. Uh, Now, James deeded the house back to, uh, not to his mother, but to a lady called Joanne Barnes. So Joanne Barnes had recently left a mental institution. She was divorced with three children. Um, She had been committed to the asylum by a judge who had said she was violently insane. Now, she's come to live in this house next to his mother. Yeah. Why, did, why is she in this house? <laughs> Nobody knows. Nobody knows why this woman was gifted this house. Okay. Now, in 1906, Joanne and the kids leave and they deed the house back now to the family. It goes to Agnes, the youngest daughter. Mm-hmm. So we've got mum, mm-hmm. we've got Charles, mm-hmm. And we've got Agnes. There's three houses, yeah? Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, sorry, they built a house on the other side. So that's what I'm saying. Yep. They, they've got three houses. Yep. Um, so we've got a row of Finneys. Uh, and the house that became the Sally house was the one that was built by James that had the insane woman Joanne in it and is now owned by Agnes. Right. Right. Right, yeah, we got it. Yep. Now, Agnes got married to William True in 1913, but he too suffered a stroke only three years later. She cared for him in the house and he died two years later. There's a death in the house. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and James, who owned the house, died, but not in the house. So Agnes stayed in the house until 1939, where she turned it into a boarding house to help cover the expenses. Um now, when uh, Charles hung on to the houses, he died in 1947 and it was decided that the house would be rented out. Uh, so during this time, are there any um, ghostly activities? None. None. Nothing. Nada. So we're not, up to, not, we're up not to, a thing. Not a thing. So 1947. We're up to 1947. Yep. Now, the first tenant to enter the house was the Myers or Myers family. I couldn't quite work out what it was. They didn't actually stay for very long. There wasn't any reason as to why they left. It's not clear who rented the house after that. Um, there was no reports of violent events or uh, hauntings mm-hmm. or anything going on. Um, and there was only those deaths that I've mentioned. Uh, but then in... 1958, Ethel Anderson moves into uh, the house. Now, Ethel is there until 1990, 32 years. No reported problems. 
this is sounding completely different. <laughs> Isn't it? Completely that's why, different. That's why when you were going on about everything, I'm going, wow, there's a lot of furfies going on here. <laughs> um, so unless Ethel was some sort of rabid Satanist that was hiding it all and doing things in the basement that nobody knows about, there's nothing. There and is she no lived history. in the house on her own. Yeah. Right, okay. So then we've got 1992 Deborah and Tony move in. Now, Mm -hmm. they do mention down in the basement that there was one unfinished room that had an area uh, that was like a crawl space, um, which was sort of covered with a tarp, and it had what looked like mounds of dirt Mm -hmm. under there. But, I mean, that that happens when you're building houses. You end up with mounds of dirt when you've dug holes and Mm -hmm. things like that. Mm -hmm. I don't... There is nothing sinister about that, but I thought I'd just throw that in there. Now... Oh, where do I go from here? So what I'll do is I'm now going to go back to where the house is today. So I've given you the history, the mm-hmm. background. Mm-hmm. Um, it is now, from what I can work out, owned by the local, what we'd call council. Mm-hmm. And they rent it out and you can do self-tours and um, they, they can have like 150 people in the house at one time. Apparently it's so overcrowded in there and that you can um, hire it out for the night. And we know that Sally and uh, Sally, Cag and Alison um, only like a couple of weeks ago were in there and mm-hmm. they said they had trouble with people as well. From Adelaide Haunted Horizons. Yes. So people were driving past, um, noise, lights, everything. Yeah. yeah. Um, so oh, the neighbours must hate it. Yeah. So it's if you look at visitatchison.com, highlight the Sally house. They have psychics who confirmed the presence of spirits dwelling in the home and many have actually communicated with them. Skeptics have left as believers. Visits by paranormal investigators provided audio, video and photographic proof of paranormal activity. Sounds very exciting. Doesn't it? Jeez, I'd go. Um... It's been long known as being haunted and Sally grew ominous in 1993. It goes on about the sinister attacks taking a violent turn. There's been witnesses and video investigative equipment that stopped working and uh, all the stuff that you're going on with. Anyway, if you would like to hire the house, they do have some rules. Uh, All tours will be charged a $100.50 fee for failing to adhere to the following. I thought this was funny. You're not allowed to damage the house. No smoking allowed in the house. No pets. <laughs> no flames or candles allowed in the house. No sleeping in beds. Uh-huh. Uh, no cooking. Uh-huh. No attempting to cleanse the house. Oh. So you're not allowed to get your smudge stick out and get rid of Sally. No. Because I want to keep her. No Ouija boards or seances. Uh-huh. That, that sucks. Yeah. Um, no allowing individuals not listed on your lease into the house. Uh-huh. Now, Ghost Adventures went in as well. Now, before they even started, in the preliminary investigation, poor old Jay was scratched on his arm by unseen forces. Mm -hmm. Uh, There was Tony was back in the house again, felt a burning sensation on his neck. When everyone checked it out, they find a welt on his neck. Uh, At the exact moment, uh, Tony starts to feel the sensation, the... uh, they call it the physic, which I think that's meant to be psychic. Mm-hmm. The uh, Ghost Adventures crew invited. Her name is Anissa. Loses her balance and nearly faints. Oh. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> I can just see it now. Uh, the puck device. Hi, Bill. How are you? Um, think up huge dead. Scr- scratch Satan pain kept spirits. When Billy tests the puck device and when he asks on it if Sally is real, he gets the word scratch. Mm-hmm. 
Satan, pain, kept spirits. Um, it may be possible for the spirit of Sally has followed Gak back to their hotel room in Kansas to respond on the park. The flashlight went off when Shane asked some questions. Mm-hmm. I hate that flashlight exper- experiment. It's dicky and science can immediately prove that's just bull dust. Look, they had a lot of stuff. Zach felt a presence near the top of the stairs. It was Unexplained knock, 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 unexplained noises, loud noises, house noises, unexplained singing, um, a teddy panda starts rolling around by itself, a ball of lights captured moving out of a room where Aaron heard laughing, um, Zach starts to feel a stunning energy. A stunning uh, energy. Stunning, just stunning. <laughs> right. Uh, the Tesla radio starts to make weird noises, including uh, indicated spirit energy, so it's that crackling, and there was an um, example of that in the uh, sightings. Uh, crew as well when they investigated. Look, they got a whole heap of stuff, but mm-hmm. I mean, it's Ghost Adventures crew, of course. Oh, God, you can't walk out They're... of somewhere not having had oh, no, anything they... happen. They are fabulous, so of course they're going to have lots out. of stuff. Not like us shitty people oh, that no, can't we're... find anything. No, we're just crap. We just get our asses stuck in chairs. Please check out part two of the Tanelba House episode that we have on our YouTube channel, where Anne gets her ass stuck in a chair. Um, that's, we're just... Yeah, we're the real deal, Renata. <laughs> Look, now, I want to go back to the Sightings TV show. Yes. So we're going back to the 1990s now. Mm-hmm. So I've done the past past. Mm-hmm. I've done the recent um, past. And there's, I mean, there's uh, paranormal investigators going in there all the time, mm-hmm. getting scratched, getting mm-hmm. EVPs. Mm-hmm. There's so much stuff going on. There's demonic activity. It's mm-hmm. full on. Um, Alison and Keg thought it was pretty boring, but... <laughs> I trust those girls. Yes. I tr- would trust them with my life. So I reckon what they say is true. Anyway, um, in the initial uh, sightings TV show, they brought in someone called Al Rauber, or Raber, Rober, Rober, uh, who was a parapsychologist. Now, I reckon he hit the nail on the head right to start off. He said that he thinks the problem is actually a psychokinetic problem generated unwittingly by Tony. Mm-hmm. Um. And, I mean, if we had gone in there, we would have said, we would have sat down with the family and said, what's going on in your life right now? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yep. Well, not what is the ghost doing? What's yep. happening to you? Yep. What's happening with you guys yep. right now? Yeah. Uh, now, he made the suggestion that you should get rid of the toys and anything that was used as a focus of attention for this so-called spirit mm-hmm. and stop feeding it energy. Mm-hmm. Which is the exact opposite of what Deborah has been told. Love the little thing. Yes. Uh, Now we go on to Peter James, the psychic. Now, he actually came in pretty early. Mm -hmm. So um, I know you reported he came in towards the end. He came in twice. Oh, Um, okay. So the first time that he walked in, uh, he allegedly knew nothing of the haunting of the house. Uh, And the first thing he did was look up the stairs and go, I can see a girl at the top of the stairs. She's looking down at me. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, then he was drawn to a, a cemetery nearby. He mm-hmm. wanted to drive around. He found a cemetery and he's walked up to um, a headstone that had nothing on it. He had a vision of a little girl dying, dying of pneumonia. Mm-hmm. And he pointed at the headstone and said, Sally, I've got the name Sally and that's her grave. Right. So they looked it up because he couldn't see anything on the headstone. And according to the records, it was Sally Isabel Hall. Right. Now, you listed her name mm-hmm. in the ones that Deborah supposedly found before they did the show. Yes. Yes. That's correct. Isn't that just coincidental? <laughs> <laughs> Coinky dinky. 
Um, now, this is where a former res- resident suddenly emerges and said, yeah, my daughter had an imaginary friend called Sally there. Never harmed her, but mm-hmm. she used to play with a little girl called Sally. And this is how Sally got her name. Mm-hmm. It was because of this this past girl. Um, now, the interesting statement they said, when they came to part two, they've gone, would he succeed? They're talking about the new parapsychologist coming in or the new ghost hunter. Would he succeed where the parapsychologist had failed? Okay. The parapsychologist hasn't failed. They didn't do a bloody thing he told them to do. Mm-hmm. Mm. So how can you call that a failure? Mm. Mm. It's discrediting. Yes. Yes. Um, now, there are various stories about Sally. There is the appendicitis and mm-hmm. couldn't save her and yes. operated on her without anaesthetic and um, all of that sort of stuff. There is also pneumonia and the doctor couldn't save her. There is the stories of her being a demon and pretending to be a little girl. Uh, there's the weird photos. Experts have tried to recreate them and they can't. Um, there was three people apparently died in that particular home, according to the podcast I listened to, in 18. 18- 1972, 1990, and 1928. None of them were named Sally. Mm-hmm. So one of those might have been um, Edith. Uh, so Enid. I can't remember. Or the 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 other daughter. Uh, there are no violent deaths in the house. So why is Sally there? There is no doctor surgery there. So that's that's not. Uh huh. It can't be. Uh, No doctor lived there, but the family lived there and one of them was a doctor. Now, there was Joanne, who was violently insane, uh, and Ethel lived there with no issues. Uh, And that that Native American shaman woman, I don't understand why she was there. And according to the reports I read, nothing changed. He still got scratched. So I don't know who's telling the truth there. So did the shaman turn up in anything that you... None of the um, uh, the footage that I saw. Right. Now, did you know they also brought in a Franciscan monk? No. <laughs> she forgot to put that in a yeah, diary. Yeah, they did. And I really like this dude. His name was Ed Anthony. He suggested that it was a lost soul trying to communicate and that it was frustrated and trying to get someone's attention, which... Could make sense. Mm-hmm. Um, he said, I think what's happening here is that a lost soul or spirit was trying to communicate. When you try to communicate with somebody and they're not listening, you not paying attention to you, you're going to do all kinds of things to get that person's attention. I think the spirit is doing the same thing. The danger comes in when we refuse to do that. So... Um, but they're getting a whole lot of conflicting information here. Someone's telling them don't give it energy. Another one's telling them um, that, you know, they're going to try and keep getting your attention until you have, you know, you give them attention. I never saw Barbara. What's, I only what's, heard about Barbara. What's this family got to do? I Well, it seems to be conducted by De- Deborah. Now, um, Tony seems to be the focus of what is going on with the amount of scratching and things that's going on with him. Yeah. Um, There was also somebody mentioned something about a medical person who had a strange lifestyle that could not or would not save the child. Now, I reckon that they're having a go at Charles who dressed up as a woman Uh and he wasn't liked in the community, Uh but he was still their doctor. Uh, There was also another previous... A previous resident that emerged 
and now the nursery was where there was a lot of the stuff going on, yeah? Yeah. Uh, she said that her two brothers used to live in that room and that a fire had broken out there and it was unexplained. Mm-hmm. Two boys mm-hmm. in that room. Yeah. They don't play with fire. No, not at all. Not at all. Uh, now... Uh, Peter James, the clairvoyant, psychic, whatever you want to call him, medium, mm-hmm. claims that there are two entities in the house. One was good and one was bad. Mm-hmm. I reckon it's aspects of the same one. Mm-hmm. And I I reckon it's Tony. And I, and look, I, I don't know Deborah. I've never met Deborah. But there seems to be a lot of information that Deborah is putting out. Deborah's the one that's willing to go on camera. She's willing to speak to everyone. And he's going, I don't want to be known. I don't want to know anything about this. This is awful. He's got no control of what's happening. He's spinning out. There's psychokinetic energy flinging out everywhere. And he's just getting more agitated by it all. But Deborah's loving it. She's written a book. She's got a diary that just happens to appear out of nowhere. All written, ready to go. But could it be Deborah who wants all of this to continue? Yes. Because she's getting all of this adulation. Yeah. And during the the sightings uh, investigation, there was not much in the way of scientific proof Mm -hmm. apart from a weird noise they got when they did a recording session. It was like an electronic noise, Mm -hmm. uh, which could be anything. Could be anything, yeah. But one of the things that they did do in this show, which... I don't think a lot of people realise, is they were the first ones to do a live ghost investigation streaming live around the world on the internet where people could write in and comment. Wow. Now, we do this on YouTube all the time now or on Facebook or wherever we are and we just take it for granted. Mm -hmm. But these guys were the first ones to do it. Wow. And what year was that? Oh, it was in the early 1990s. Wow. So it must have been around about 92, 93, I think. 20 years ago. Yeah. Yeah, mm. so 30 years ago. It's 30 years ago. 30 years ago. Gosh. <laughs> so there was lots of personal experiences. They did witness these scratches manifesting. We only have the words of other people of these stuffed dolls that are being moved around. Mm-hmm. Um, I... My gut instinct is that, yes, there was something going on, but I agree with that very first parapsychologist. And you mentioned something about they weren't happy with Tony and how he was looking after the child. Mm-hmm. Um, that there is something there. Mm-hmm. I don't know what that is. We'll probably never know. Mm-hmm. But I think that the, the, um, the phenomena is being manifested by Tony mm-hmm. unwittingly. And well, that's that's my thing. And mm-hmm. once they moved, uh, the there was a family that moved in after them mm-hmm. in 1994, and nothing. Yeah, they no had nothing incidents. Mm-hmm. They had animals, no problems. So it's only this family for a couple of years. Uh-huh. Once they moved out, Tony continued to get scratched, but less frequently until it sort of faded. Renata, what are your thoughts on this case? I don't know. I I don't know whether I'm leaning towards Tony or leaning towards Deborah, because Deborah's get Deborah's got invested interest in in keeping this, this going. This is true, and I, I, I don't know. She's written a book, yes, and there's this diary that yes. just popped up. Oh, look, I've got a diary where I've written everything yes. down, yep. and it reads like a Hollywood script. Yep. And are they still together? I don't know. 
I really don't know. So I'd love our listeners' comments on this one. Mm. What do they think? Is this a true haunting or not? Or is this a psychokinetic uh, projection from Tony himself? Or is Sally real? The only people that are finding in, um, true, uh, sorry, finding phenomena now going into the house are the ghost hunters who need to be seen as awesome ghost hunters because if you don't come up with evidence, you're shit. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And so sadly, we must suck because if we get no evidence, we say we've got no evidence. Yeah. Oh, how dare you say that? I know. We're too honest for our own good. This is why we're not we're rich, right, Renata. We're writing ourselves out of, out of money. And speaking of which, if you would like to support us on Patreon, please come be Grand Poobah. We need your help to keep going. Um, but that's it for me. Yeah. Do I think it's a true haunting? I'm going to say that Tony is um, not haunted, but is projecting, manifesting PK energy. Mm. And uh, I'd have to know a bucket load oh, more information. Oh, you never commit. No, I know. I need a, a bucket load of information, but I'm I'm veering to the side of Deborah. Oh, good on you. I'm veering to the side of Deborah. Someone's got to look after her. Yeah. But the history don't lie. Yeah. All right. Thank you for joining us this week on the True Hauntings podcast. I hope you've enjoyed it. Please share it around with your friends. Please become a Grand Poo Bar. Support our work so that we can do more and we can hit the road and travel to more haunted locations. Sign up to YouTube Anne and Renata Frightfully Good and join us in our Facebook community as well. In the meantime, guys, be frightfully good. Stay spooky and we'll see you on on the the dark dark side. side. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of True Hauntings. If you like the show, give us a five-star rating and leave a review. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening right now. For more on Anne and Renata, follow at Anne and Renata on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. Or visit their website, www.annandrenata.com.